Hi, I'm Rachel Sun. I'm one of the people who make the 7B podcast. You may recognize my name from the various stories I've written for the Bonner County Daily Bee. Every day, the team at the Daily Bee works reporting on stories in your community. Each story is the result of hours spent interviewing, writing, and rewriting to keep our readers and our listeners informed. If you'd like to help us continue to provide quality local journalism, the best thing you can do is become a subscriber of The Daily Beat. If you've already done that, thank you. If you haven't yet subscribed, you can do so by calling us at 208-263-9534. Now, on to our podcast. In today's episode of the 7B Podcast, Managing Editor Carolyn Lobsinger and General Manager Bill Davis catch you up on some of the biggest stories from the past month you may have missed, including the Panhandle Health District Board's decision to pass a mask mandate, an update on local youth sports, and some stories about how local community members are stepping up to help each other during a challenging time. This is the 7B Podcast. Welcome back to 7B Podcast. I'm Carolyn Lobsinger, Managing Editor of The Daily Bee, and I'm here with Bill Davis, our General Manager and Ad Director. On today's episode, we're going to look back at some of our favorite and our biggest stories from the past few weeks. Hi, Carolyn. Uh, let's start off with Sandpoint Lions Club and their annual Toys for Tots drive, which is ongoing through Christmas. The Sandpoint Lions have to be some of my favorite people in the community, and this is a prime example of why. For the past four to five decades, the Lions have been providing free new toys to every kid that needs it in the Lake Pondery School District. That means Clark Fork, Sandpoint, and all points in between. They just want every kid to have a Merry Christmas. And in the early days, they would repair and fix everything from bikes, make wooden trucks and trains, dolls, whatever Christmas treasures that they could come up with and would get them together, and they would enlist Santa to deliver the toys. How cool is that? You know, I seem to remember them for their dinners. Their dinners are pretty legendary, and I know that when you and your wife Cindy moved to town last year, you actually helped put together the the Christmas basket. We did. There's everything from maybe a Christmas ham to stuffing to all the fixing, everything you need for a complete Christmas dinner the Lions would provide to families. This year, because of the pandemic, things are going to look a little bit differently. They're giving families a gift certificate to a local grocery store to buy the supplies themselves. That way, they can still have a Christmas dinner, but the Lions and everybody else are kept safe. Really, really great program. Do they have a goal? Their goal is $50,000. It's the same as it's been in the past, and I've never known this community to not hit it. We have a ways to go, but... This community makes it happen every single year, and the result is a Merry Christmas for everybody. So if someone is in need or they know someone in need, what should they do? The deadline this year is the 14th to submit an application, but if you know somebody in need, reach out to the Sandpoint Lions. They have the application on their website, on their Facebook page, and there are copies available at the Lions Dead, which is located in Lakeview Park in Sandpoint. Or give them a call. Their phone number is 208-263-4118, and the Lions will do everything they can to, to help them out. And what if somebody wanted to make donations? Even better. The toys donations can be dropped off at the Daily Bee. We're located at 310 Church Street, in case you got lost, Bill. <laughs> or at the Farmhouse Restaurant, 
which is located at 477-227 Highway 95 in Pend Oreille. Which is in front of Hotel Ruby. I've heard that. Or at either branch of Columbia Bank, Sandpoint or Pend Oreille. The Sandpoint branch is located at 414 Church Street. The Pend Oreille branch is located at 300 Kootenai Cutoff Road. Or at Walmart or North 40. Folks can also make a monetary donation. And those can be dropped off at either branch of Columbia Bank or at the Daily Bee or mail to the Sandpoint Lions Club. And their mailing address is Box 414, Sandpoint, 83864. Any questions, give the Lions a call and they will either get you the help that you need or that you're, somebody you know needs, or they're more than happy to help you help your friends and families in the community. Very cool. What a great organization. I love that. Well, next up, I think, Carolyn, one of the biggest stories over the past month or so has to have been the Panhandle Health District Board's decision to approve the mask mandate uh, in the five northern counties covered by the Health District. I would I would have to agree, Bill. The mandate was both criticized and supported by everyone in the community. I don't know if there's been a neutral side to that. When the board voted to approve the mandate on November 19th, shortly afterward, Commissioner Steve Bradshaw proposed a resolution to cease funding for the health district, saying that breathing was an unalienable right and that the district had no right to prevent that. What was the outcome? The Well, the board placed the resolution on their agenda for it to be considered a few about a week later, they ultimately pulled the resolution from the agenda after they obtained a legal counsel from that indicated that consideration of the health district funding could only be taken up during the budgetary process in the coming year. I see. Uh, from what basis was Mr. Bradshaw making his proposal? Commissioner Bradshaw said that breathing was an unalienable right, and in the story by Keith. Kennard, he said, we are welcomed into this world with our first breath and delivered from it with our last. Breath is the very essence of life. There is no more fundamental than that right to breathe, for without it, life ceases to exist. No governmental agency has the power to regulate this fundamental right. I see. What, uh, what was the order? The order requires the use of face masks in public and other places where six feet of social distancing can't be maintained. Those who do not comply with the order could be charged with a misdemeanor, punishable by a fine or imprisonment or both. However, in most of the communities in North Idaho, the police agencies are taking an educational approach. Why is the mask mandate necessary? Why is it being done? What is going on? They're taking an educational approach. I see. And do you have information on the budget itself? The budget for Bonner County is... $256,000 $256,000 in change. Overall, the five northern counties provide about 10% of the health district's budget. In Kootenai County, their reaction to the proposal to defund the health district, they basically indicated that that would not be something they support. Because it's been pushed off to next year, it's really not anything that is being discussed at this time. I see. Who were the representatives uh, for Bonner and Boundary Counties? In Bonner County, the representatives on the Health District Board are Alan Banks and former Commissioner Glenn Bailey. In Boundary County, the representative is Walt Kirby, 
Both Glenn Bailey and Alan Banks voted against the mask mandate. Walt Kirby abstained. The commissioners for the health district in Kootenai County, Benoit County, and Shoshone County all voted to approve the mask mandate, which led to its approval. I uh, heard that Dan McDonald was pretty vocal about this. Dan McDonald was, like all the commissioners here, was concerned about the mask mandate and that there were no people on the health district board that are elected representatives. And in fact, in the story by Keith, he is quoted as saying, even though we cannot stop this mandate with defunding, we're looking at the constitutionality of this because I do have a concern. We have an unelected board making law, basically, especially criminalizing this. Was it a pretty good outpouring? The reaction to the mandate and the proposal to defund it attracted more than 500 emails, both those strongly in favor and those strongly against both the mandate and both the defunding proposal. In fact, Dan McDonald said that since he's been in office for the past four years, that it's the most emails that the county commissioners have received on a single issue, both for and against. Well, it's definitely been a highlight of stories over the last month or so. Um, You know, I would... uh, like to bring up that uh, we have another cool story to talk about. We do, and I think I know the one you're talking about. I'm going to guess that it's about the Bulldogs run for the state playoffs. You got it. Uh, how exciting, to, right? For a cliche, score! Score! <laughs> well, you know... Bum, bum, bum. Thank you, folks. I'll be here all week. <laughs> the Sandpoint football team... Uh, made it to the 4A state semifinals, which is very exciting for us. And they are an amazing group of kids. After one four start, a lot of teams would kind of give it up. They'd be like, we're out of it. It might be tomorrow. These kids did the opposite. They went, after starting 4-1, on a run of four straight wins to claim the league title. And, And some of the games were not exactly very pleasant. I believe Snowball is referred to in one of them. And they hadn't done this since, what, 2015? 2015, and they were a young group of kids. You had six sophomores by the end of the season that were starting on varsity. That's amazing. And it even led to the Sandpoint Mayor, Shelby Ronsdown, declaring Bulldog Red Day to encourage everybody in the community to wear red on their first playoff game, and... It's been a lot of fun to watch these kids. Especially when you consider the the year that we've had with COVID. I mean, they've had to overcome a lot of adversity. They weren't able to practice in the off-season. They weren't able to go to any camps. Folks were really limited on how many people could even get together. And there was a standout quarterback that emerged, uh, Parker Pettit. Parker Pettit, one of the sophomores that is on the team, he came into his own along with a lot of the other kids, and they took the team on one heck of a run, and it's been fun to watch. I'm a football fan. I don't know if you are. I am. Wrong team, though, right? Well, I'm on a better team that... uh, I don't think so. Yeah, well... I think this is Seahawk country, so your team isn't. <laughs> so there. Okay, let's uh, keep this thing going. Nonetheless, uh, the future is very bright for our it's, young talent it's, it's in the area. Super bright, and they're going to be a fun team to watch in the future to see what they can accomplish. It's, 
I wouldn't be surprised if these kids came home with a state title. I wouldn't either. I wouldn't either. I, I like that. Uh, you know, Carolyn, you always hear about people talking about events or things that are so Bonner County and so Sandpoint. Well, the next couple of stories we're going to talk about are perfect examples of that. First up, let's talk about Justin Shuk and his construction of a bus shelter for the local students. Justin Shuk is a pretty amazing guy. He's the owner of Idagon Construction, and he was driving his kids to school one day. Nice, warm vehicle. They were comfortable, and they passed this bus stop at Samuelson and Woodland Drive. It wasn't a nice day. It was drizzly. It was cold. And you had these kids standing out in the weather. And Boy, we've all seen those uh, those kids that are standing out there waiting. Or, or that's been us when we were I, I've been the, I've been that kid. Yeah. And he drove by. And, and in, the story, in talking to Rachel's son, who wrote the story, he said he drove by in his warm car and thought, these kids probably aren't too happy. And... He reached out to the city and the school district and said, got a little thought for you. I want to build a bus shelter. And did and he, he do this by himself? He didn't. He enlisted the help of his uncle, Brent Lockwood, who is a master carpenter. And while he's semi-retired, he takes on projects that he calls meaningful and gives back to the community. And so between Justin and his team and his friends and his uncle, they put together this bus shelter that it's a pretty nice nice little thing it's warm it's enclosed and these kids can get out of the elements and stay warm and dry and safe the school district says there are about 10 kids who use that bus stop and they may they may be more in the future and they were very appreciative that the community was wanting to help keep their own safe very good uh, how long does it take the whole project took about two months from start to finish and their goal was to get it up before the first before the first big snowfall, and they did that. And I don't, don't know about you, but if I was one of those kids, I'd be pretty happy that mm. I no longer have to stand out in the snow. And with us, with and with this area supposedly, well, it's pretty nice about you know for Justin to no. you know, to do that. And with this area supposed to get a lot of heavy snow in the winter time, I think it's going to be very appreciated as we come down the line. No doubt about that. Well, so let me ask you a question. Um, you're a pet lover, right? I've been known to have a pet or two. Yeah, you have a you have a kitty named Frankie. I I do have a kitty named Frankie. Well, He's a little crazy. <laughs> but um but you love him dearly. I I I do. He's my second kitty and well, you know, listen, I'm leading into something here because another one what? of another one of our stories is about the Panhandle Animal Shelters program to help keep pets and their people together. The, uh, I think another program you're talking about in a story that was in another story that was written by Rachel, the Pets for Life program, which is facilitated for the animal shelter by Kendra Dodge, they go out to the outlying areas of the community five days a week, more if they can get more volunteers, to Clark Fork, Sagal, Ponderay, Kootenai. And they provide everything from food and collars, flea and worm treatments, and other basic needs that animals may need. So it sounds like a wider range, a wider range of, uh, 
of options that they provide. And so they do they do this at the home? Most of the programs they do, most of the services they do at the home, they, but if it's, a, if the pet needs to be spayed or neutered, they bring them back to the shelter, to the animal shelter's veterinarian. They do a little sniff, snip, so forth, and then the animal's taken back to their people, and there's no cost to the families and to the, the pet owners. They're just... You know, Make sure that their pets and people are kept together. What a wonderful thing. You know, everyone loves their pets. And, you know, from time to time, people hit those rough spots. So what a great service to provide to our community and, and to our, our pets. And, and that was the genesis for the program, Bill. It was a conversation that the animal shelter folks had with somebody who had hit a rough spot. And in talking to him, it was clear that he loved his critter more than the world and despite being in a rough spot financially he wasn't a bad pet parent he just was going through a rough spot and instead of forcing him to surrender his animal to the animal shelter they said wait a minute we need to rethink our thinking let's provide the help to these people to these pets so that they get to stay with their people and the people get to keep their four-legged family members and animals aren't filling up the shelter. Everybody wins. What a great benefit. I like that. And in fact, more than 800 pets this year were helped by this program, which is funded in part by the, by the Humane Society of the United States and animal shelter funding and really is donations from the community. If you want more information about this program or don't to donate, contact the animal shelter. They're located at 870 Kootenai Cutoff Road, and they can be reached by phone at 208-265-7297. It's, it's a great program, and I think we can all identify with the love we have for our animals and the connection that that gives all of us and that helping these critters and people stay together. Right on. I like that. I like that. Well, and finally, uh, we have to mention something. Uh, so there's a free Thanksgiving dinner that was put on each year uh, by the Hoot Owl over in Ponderay uh, for folks. And the fundraising effort uh, by the Sandpoint High School teachers that raised $1,200 to help pay for the dinner. The Hoot Owl for the past seven years has been running a soup kitchen. And it started with Savannah Mort, who's the daughter of the Hoodow owner, Wendy Hanson Frank. And Savannah and her husband wanted to have a soup kitchen. It was his birthday, and that was what he wanted for his birthday, was to give back to others and hold a soup kitchen at the thing. And Wendy went, okay, sure, go for it. And it's been there ever since, and... No strings attached, just show up for dinner, whether you're in need of a meal or you just need a companionship. And about a year after Savannah and her husband and their merry band of helpers got together and started the soup kitchen, they started the Thanksgiving dinner about a year after that. And again, no strings attached, just come for a good meal, good conversation, see your friends and family, or for folks that want to just help out. they There are a lot of folks in this community that just love being part of the process. And 
making the dinner or serving it and making sure that everybody feels loved and safe. And it's been great. And this year, they were a little concerned that with the pandemic and everybody's financial struggles, it's not been an easy year for anybody. No. It's been it's been tough. And what a beautiful program and, and the essence of humanity all by itself. And they they were they were concerned and they were they were trying to aim for about five hundred meals, and they weren't sure how they're going to do it. They were working with their suppliers, and then all of a sudden, after seeing Rachel's story about the soup kitchen and about the Thanksgiving dinner. And what Savannah and her mom, Wendy, were trying to accomplish and that they wanted to have this Thanksgiving dinner and just really make it something special for folks. The teachers at Sandpoint High School saw that. And in the space of about 24 hours, they raised $1,200. They went room to room, teacher to teacher, staff member to staff member went, so what can you, what can you help out with? Not bad for 24-hour turnaround. And they reached out to Savannah and her mom and said, we'd like to drop off a little donation for you. And $1,200, there you go. And a lot of the dinner was paid for because of that donation. Well, of the teachers and the all the folks at San Quentin High School going, we want to help our friends and family. Thank you and congratulations to the Sandpoint High School teachers who helped raise the $1,200 and to the Hoot Owl for, and the, fam, the Mort family for being so generous and, and thoughtful to our community. Well, the teachers said that they got as much out of it as, or more so than anybody else. They said it just really helped raise everybody's morale at the school and all the people that they know because they were able to make a difference. They were able to maybe help somebody who was struggling or just know that they were helping make a difference in the community and that they were able to give back when they get so much from people supporting them. You know, and Savannah, when she got the donation, she was just super touched. And she said she was just glad to know that her daughter, who goes to Sandpoint High School, was surrounded by people that cared that much. And... In talking to her, Savannah told Rachel, it brought tears to her eyes. It was just a huge, huge blessing and was so appreciative that other people really wanted to help others like she and her mom had been doing through the soup kitchen and through the Thanksgiving dinner. They're, they're, very like heart, you said, yeah, it's very heartwarming. It's yes. so Sandpoint and just so Bonner County that there is that genuine love and concern and compassion for others and just wanted to do make it a cool thing and just be a part of the community and really help others right on well i think that's the stories that we have for today bill well i hope that uh i hope that the listeners have enjoyed today's 7b podcast and that you will join us again next week from the bonner county daily b i'm bill davis and i'm Carolyn And we're glad to have you on board. Have a great day, everyone. You've been listening to the 7B Podcast. Thanks for joining, and remember to check back next Monday to hear the latest news on what's happening in your area.